Hey everyone, welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. My name is Camille Joy and welcome to the show if this is your first time. If you are a returning listener, welcome back MVPs. We are here with another guest today, a wonderful guest, and I am honored to have her on the show, uh, Miss Calandra Williams. And so I won't chat for too long. We'll just get right into the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Calandra Williams, and she hails all the way from Dallas, Texas. Welcome to the show, Calandra. Good morning, Ms. Camille. Thank you for having me this morning. You are so welcome. It is an honor and a privilege to have you. Um, I met Calandra on the wonderful world of the internet. <laughs> and a lot of times we form, a, you know, a Facebook relationship with people. And so it's an honor to have her on the show. I saw her post her story and I knew right away that she would be a perfect guest for the show so that she can come on and encourage you guys through the words of her testimony. So we're going to get right into your story. Um, we'll start with your childhood. Did you, did you grow up in Dallas, Texas? I did. I am born and I was raised here. Um, I was actually kind of grew up in the ghetto area of Dallas, which is called Oak Cliff. Um, I was born, of course, to my mom and my dad. Um, I did not know my father. Um, he was absent, so early on, I was just experienced a lot of rejection. Um, I felt abandoned. I felt like, you know, why doesn't he want me? Why doesn't he come to visit me? You know, and I always knew that there were some other siblings that I had uh, from him, so I wondered, like, is he with them? Is he taking care of them? Like, you know, just all of that, those thoughts went through my mind, and then from as young as I can remember, about four or five, I knew my mom was involved in homosexual relationships, and so, um, as probably I remember my grandmother coming to visit us and she heard me calling the other woman mom and my grandmother was like that is not your mom you only have one mom and she took us for the weekend and drilled us uh, with bible verses and telling us about you know God created Adam and um, Eve and not Adam and Steve and you know that was abomination to God and I, I began to just really like hate my mom but also love her at the same time so it was definitely like this internal war that was going on within me so because my mom's life was just so chaotic um, just I saw a lot of physical abuse drug use just a lot of different things uh, going in and out of jail just it was a lot and so we eventually went to live with my um, grandmother which it was a Christian-based home, so we were forced to go to church every day, and we were forced to, you know, know the Lord and all of these different things, but it was peaceful, and I loved it, but I was very angry with my grandmother, um, and, you know, now in hindsight of it, like, she was just, you know, picking up the pieces of where my mother had kind of fell, but I was angry with her because I felt like she should have held my mom accountable to be a mother to us, instead of her taking on that role um, and trying to do the best that she could, you know, trying to handle all of that. And she was already up in age. Um, so I just was in a very dark place and no one really knew like what I was going through. And back then you really didn't voice, you didn't really have a voice as a child to say, hey, I'm angry, or you didn't really know how to associate, you know, what you were dealing with on the inside with depression or anxiety or whatever it is. It was just like, okay, life goes on, you know, Jesus loves you, have a great day. Um, 
dating boys and trying to tap into all of that. And um, it was, we had a, a friend that was, well, he called my grandmother, like it was his, she called, he called her mom and um, she called him son. And so he was like way older, like probably late twenties. And he was a family friend and I looked up to him as a brother and he would always, like he would take us different places and spend time with us. So it was really cool for me because I didn't have a father. Mm-hmm. And um, as I started to grow up into my teenage years, I started like sharing like, oh my gosh, I really like this boy, blah, 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 blah. And then one night it just turned into a whole sexual abuse thing. And it had been going on for a while and no one knew about it. And this is my first time actually telling this part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and sexual abuse had been going on on before it actually just kind of came to a head and it was full-blown sexual abuse and I finally had a voice um, to be able to tell um, because I had become like really afraid and I was like I don't know what's gonna you know continue to happen so I told my uh, godmother at the time Mm -hmm. I called her and I told her what was happening Um, I waited for three days after it happened but I told her what was happening she called my mom came I thought that I was going to be in trouble about the whole situation my mom was you know really angry with him she called the police um my grandmother however she was raised old school what happens in this house stays in this house so right. I received a lot of backlash from that oh my god um, you know well you shouldn't have been outside that late or mm-hmm. you know you neighborhood people where you shouldn't have had on those type of clothes. I had on overalls, Arizona overalls from JCPenney. I'm oh like, my goodness. I'm 14 at the time. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what that has to do with anything. But that's what I was told, you know, um, maybe it was something that I did that provoked him to do that. So it was really hard. I was very angry. And then I started to think, well, maybe it was what I had on. So I started wearing like just pants and covering up and black clothes because I always felt like what I wore attracted you know him to do that to me so I just you know didn't talk to men I was very reserved from talking to him because I didn't want anyone to get the wrong impression about me again um at the time that I was able to break the news and my family found out there was a guy that was um, on, had moved onto our street and I had actually told him and he encouraged me to also tell my story well we ended up you know dating liking him and I ended up getting pregnant at 15 years old and from there that's when life took a dark turn um in the mid in the early in my first trimester uh he wanted to have sex with me and I was like I didn't want to I was so tired I don't know what was going on and that was the first time I was hit by a man Uh, he punched me in my face and I got up and I was so like confused and I go to the bathroom and he hit me so hard that my lip busted like and blood was everywhere um and he was just like oh my gosh like you know just just tell everybody that you fell into the dresser so I learned how to like professionally lie Mm. so I I go and I wake up the next morning and everybody's like, what, you know, what happened to you? And I was like, oh, I fell into the dresser going to the bathroom. 
But like, no one ever said like, I don't believe you. I know he hit you. Everybody was just kind of like went on about their, you know, life or they were just kind of like embarrassed. Well, you can't go out to eat with us because you look like that, you know? But, and so I was just like, well, maybe this is what relationships are all about. And the abuse continued and it got worse and it just progressed. Um, and then once my daughter was born, I was 16 years old. So she was born three days after my birthday. And that really took me into a dark place as well, because I lost all of my friends uh, in my, uh, what, my first year of high school. So freshman year, I lost all of my friends. Uh, no one wanted to talk to me. Their parents felt like, I don't know, I've had an outbreak of pregnancy or something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have any friends. Um, I had one person that was really nice to me. He like really came to check on me and always was there like, hey, like, you know, you're still a great person. All of that. It was really sweet. Just really a great friend to have at that time. But other than that, everybody was just like, oh, no, we're not going to talk to you anymore. So that had me in a bad place. I was I felt ashamed. Um, I felt like a part of my life was just kind of ripped from me because I couldn't do everything that everybody else was doing anymore um, because I was pregnant. And so it was just like, OK, here it is. I'm trying to just learn how to be a mom, finish school, juggle all of that. Still an abusive relationship through all of this. Mm. Um, going through all of that, you know, living with a guy, being away from my family, um, dealing with his family drama, and then him, and then the baby. It was a lot to go through at that time. So I definitely was in a dark place. A lot of it is like a blur to me still, because I'm just like, I don't know how I made it through. It was like the grace of God. Right. Um, I finally made the decision after maybe a few years, I decided to move back home. So I moved back home, but I didn't just move back home and just be like, okay, now I'm going to be single and raise my daughter. No, like I was still in that relationship and then I got into another relationship. So I became like really a serial dater because I was so broken and I didn't even realize I was that broken, but I was. So I would just go from relationship to relationship to relationship. But what started happening was that cycle of abuse and rejection, all of that stuff was following me. Mm. So I get into the next relationship. I'm thinking it's serious. It's great. And then the abuse starts. Like now I'm being accused of cheating, just all of this different stuff. And like the, the fights are worse. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what am I supposed to do? What's happening? Um, so I leave that relationship. I get pregnant, have my son, um, finally leave that relationship, but I get into another relationship and I'm thinking, oh, okay, this relationship will be great as well. And then the abuse started again. Yeah. And so it became just a cycle. And so finally, I was literally just, I would get on the floor and I would just cry and say, God, why me? Like, why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? Like, why did you let me live if this was going to be my story? Like, why are you doing this to me? Do you hate me like that much? I thought that God hated me because back then when I was growing up, I was always told that you have to get yourself right mm -hmm. before you can come to Christ. Like, that was a big, like, crusade back in the day. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I never really embraced um, you know, the Christian lifestyle because I was like, well, I'm still trying to live in a sin and I don't really know how to clean myself up. And when I do try to clean myself up, I end up going back into whatever it was. So I'm going to just do my thing until I'm about 80 years old and then I'll come to Christ. Mm -hmm. And I literally was living that way for a while until finally, after so many years of asking like, God, why me? 
it wasn't until 2014, my grandmother died in 2011, that broke me even worse. So I was in complete depression, darkness, because I was like, oh my gosh, she was the closest thing to Jesus. Like she loved unconditionally. And I'm like, now I'm here by myself. You know, there's no one that's going to love me the way that she loved me. So I separated from my husband at the time. Um, and then it was just like a blur, just partying. I was drinking, promiscuous, uh, just doing all types of things, just like very disconnected from my kids, just living my life the way I felt like I should live it, um, doing what I saw my peers that were around me doing at the time. It was just a lot of just that influence. So finally in 2014, um, I started going back to church and I started going and I remember the, um, I started, all these things started being taken away from me. I lost my car that year. I lost my apartment that year. And it was, I was being irresponsible with my money. I was still, you know, partying, trying to just help people, give money, all of this kind of stuff. And when the things started being taken away from me, well, that's when I like found Jesus. Like I felt like I was in prison. I was like, oh, okay, let me get back to my faith. And so I started praying and I was like, Lord, why are you taking these things from me? And he said, you acquired these things when you were in the world. Now I'm going to give you something better. And I was like, and I wasn't like real deep until, you know, I didn't know like a couple of scriptures, like Psalm 23 was about as good as it can get. So I was like, wow, he talks to people like this? Okay. So it was like really weird. Um, and so he did, he gave me another car. He gave us a place to live. And like my faith started to increase in that year while I was still, you know, entangled in this relationship. So I was like, okay, God, I'll give you everything. Like I'll give you the finances. I'll give you the kids back. I'll give you all of this stuff. But the relationship part, you can't handle that part. I'm going to keep this part. So I'm in a situationship and, you know, it's just really just sex or whatever. So I was like, the Lord was like, you're going to have to let him go. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but wait, Lord, like, no, is this like a conditional relationship for us? Like you take this and I keep this. And the Lord was like, let him go. Mm-hmm cried the entire Sunday service. I remember like yesterday, I cried the entire time. And it was a happy Sunday, like a really happy Sunday. I mean, the kids were graduating and everybody was dressed up in pretty colors and I was crying like I had like a cat had died or something. And I just cried, cried, cried because I knew that the Lord was telling me to leave this relationship. And I did. I trusted the Lord and I was like, wow, this is my first time giving this part of life up because that was a part of me that was still in that void because of my father not being there. So I gave it up and I literally, I didn't have a relationship. I was like, Lord, well, if you just want me to be a nun for the the rest of my life, that's fine. I'll serve you, Jesus. It's fine. But he didn't make me wait that long. Literally the next year in the summertime, he like introduced me to my now husband um and I mean like trusting God has been like the best experience um for me like it has been life-changing um it has been inspiring um it definitely has just totally changed my perspective and like I appreciate everything that I went through I used to hate my life I used to hate the story that I had um there was that why me but then God was like why not you you know you have go through this to be able to help someone else and when I come in contact with so many women and girls and they tell me their story and I'm just like I'll be on the phone smiling and I'm like girl I understand but I'm like oh my gosh Lord who would have thought that everything I went through was because there's some woman in the world that is going through that or she's been through that and she needs to know like she can make it out and I can get 
practical, but also spiritual tips on how to make it through that time frame or even how to heal through it. Because sometimes we've been through it, but we haven't necessarily healed from it. Mm. So we're just still existing, but we're not really thriving in our calling. We're not really tapping into what our purpose is in the earth. So that's my story. <laughs> I have a couple of questions. Okay. Um, during, during the abuse, how old were you? Like when you started to, I, I heard you say you were in relationship after relationship and so mm-hmm. that kind of started after you had your first child. I don't know. So it was during, it was during my pregnancy. So, uh, 15 years old was the first time I experienced domestic violence. Right. Um, and that continued up until my mid twenties, um, wow. is when I, Finally, and it was it was progressively getting worse is what I was noticing. Um, it was worse because my last relationship tapped into financial abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, and also spiritual abuse. So I experienced like every level of abuse that I finally could. And in that relationship, I started to fight back. Right. And, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, that's good. You know, I'm learning how to fight back for myself. I'm learning how to have a voice. And I was, I was learning how to have a voice because before I just took the beating with no voice and I just kind of, you know, whatever they said, that's fine, you know, but I, in that relationship, I developed a voice. I was able to talk back and say, oh no, I'm not going to deal with that. And then I learned how to fight back, but it was still worse and it was still dysfunctional. And so um, the biggest thing is that like having kids, they definitely impacted them, um, especially because my daughter, because she kind of like grew up with me, you know, going from 15, having a kid, she yeah. literally grew up with me. And so the things that I was going through, it also impacted her as well. Mm-hmm. So it did leave a lot of emotional scars um, on both sides of it. And that's always been my prayers that they, my children, not either become abusers or allow someone to abuse them. Um, yeah. And so you had your daughter at 16. Um, and when did you have other children? How many children do you have today? So now I have three by three different fathers. Um, oh my gosh, I don't remember how old I was when I had all this. I just remember my daughter, like everybody else was like a blur. Um, my son, I think I was probably like maybe 21. My other son, I probably was about 25 or something like that. Like life was complete blur. Like most people were there like, oh my gosh I was you know 21 when I had my kid and you know we ran off into the ocean and we had uh -uh. my daughter is like I remember that because it was such a huge impact the other was just kind of like okay it was a complete blur I would have to get a calculator oh that's how old I was but it was just it was so dark um it was just a lot going on um I you know even had abortions as well I had two abortions like this is my first time telling this like nobody knows um not even my parents but like (laughs) I had um two abortions one the first time it was because like he threatened to kill me um if I didn't and so I went through with that it was a, a very scary period and I dealt with a lot of mental uh stuff backlash from that because I felt like you know the Lord like really hated me because my grandmother used to t- teach us that you know if you had an abortion you were going to hell like straight yeah. to hell there was no yeah. no no little pass yes, that you yeah. got like, okay that I was in old school yes <laughs> he got it against that so I felt really bad and I was like oh my gosh I'm going to hell I'm just gonna burn okay and then when I 
again, like in my marriage, I had to, uh, he asked me to please have an abortion when I got pregnant early on. So I did. And I was like, oh, I'm doomed to like, I'm going to double hell, like hell, hell. <laughs> so so charity, you mm-hmm. were married before and you got a divorce. And so this, yes. Okay. And so this marriage that you're in now is, that's not what you're talking about. I just wanted to clarify. No, that. <laughs> no, 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 Jesus. <laughs> no. And so when you, when you, you described yourself as a um, serial dater in, in every, the ones that you dated were abusive, what do you think shifted in your, in your mind to where you were like, you know what, that is not happening again. Enough is enough. I'm not going to date anyone else that is going to abuse me. Oh my gosh. I think it was just one day, like I just woke up. And I was like, wait, why am I dealing with this? Like, I don't know. It's just like, I've been praying for so long. And I think just asking that, why me? And it was just like, when I just woke up and I was like, why am I dealing with this? Why am I allowing someone to abuse me and hurt me? Like, I know there has to be better out here for me um, than this type of relationship. And what I did in order to hold myself accountable, because I was not comfortable with talking to other people about it or when I did tell other people it was a lot of judgment there towards me um so I told my kids because they had seen it and I was like I will never get into another relationship with a man that hits me mm-hmm. and the kids were like okay and so <laughs> I was like you know just talking and so when I finally did try to start back dating they were like but you said that you to another relationship and I was like well I said to hit me but they were like no you say relationship period <laughs> so they were my accountability partners to keep me on track with that but yeah I definitely after um I did go through like a healing period of really trying to understand that and I remember the Lord um connecting me to this lady and she was like hey like what's your relationship with your biological father and I was like I don't have one with him so I found him she's like I need you to reach out to him and so he was in he was in prison. He still is in prison to this day. He's in prison. I, I wrote him a letter, and uh, he I apologized. Well, yeah, I told him that I forgave him um, for everything that he had done and not being there for me or whatever. And I just wanted to have a relationship with him. And when he wrote me back, I then understood why I was going through some of the things I was going through. It was generational curses from both sides, from my mom's side, but also from his side, um, because my biological father, he was an abuser. He was an alcoholic. So all the things that I was dealing with inside of my relationships, trying to understand, like, why am I attracting these type of people? That's who my father was. Like, that was almost, like, embedded in my deep, my spiritual DNA in the story. And it didn't travel. And then my mom seeing like the domestic abuse from her. And then also my grandmother had went through domestic abuse. And it just kind of just was, you know, just passed on, passed on. I was like, nope, it stops with me. Like, we're not doing this anymore. Like, I'm tired of seeing this. I'm tired of dealing with it. Like, devil, it stops today. Like, that's the point that I had to get to. Amen. Wow. That's powerful. And, and so who is Calandra today? Oh my gosh, who am I not? First of all, I'm a child of God. Um, (laughs) At the basis of everything, it is God. Like, I cannot, that is my foundation. Um, That is where I stand. That is who I love. Like, 
that's the lover of my soul. Like it just gives me so much joy. And I, I believe it gives me so much joy because there was a time that I thought I did not have access to him. So today to realize and stand on my own faith, not the faith of my grandmother or Paul or anybody else. <laughs> like I can stand on my own faith and say like, I know Jesus for myself and I know what he can do for me. I know what he has done for me. And I know his voice for myself. I don't have to wait on a pastor, a prophet, a preacher, somebody else's, you know, testimony for me to know what God has done for me. Yes. And so that is like the basis of everything. Like now, you know, I'm still a mom. So that's just a part of it. I still have three kids. Um, so just different ages, the teenage years was a struggle for me with them. <laughs> well, we'll make it. <laughs> um, I mean, and I mean, I'm married now, so God, you know, blessed me with that because I, again, that three kids, three different dads, divorced, that is good. My complete past that that was not even an option for me. Like, like I'm from the hood, you know, like that's not going to be your story. No college degree, all of that, and like the Lord gave me more than what I prayed for. it was just like and my husband doesn't have any kids so I definitely was like that's the Joseph of today's time Um, (laughs) he took in like all of us and all my baggage all my issues you know and just gracefully deals with all of that so I'm definitely grateful for that but I just I enjoy just walking in purpose and I try to stay focused not to get away from purpose like um, because even though God gives you all these other roles that you have to fulfill that you have to fulfill such as, you know, your mentor or um, an evangelist or being a wife, being a mom. I still have to stay at the foundation that my first relationship comes with Christ. And I can't get away from that because I can pursue all of these other things and miss God. And that's not what I want to do. So um, I do have um, a for-profit company that I run, which is called Truth Written Enterprises, where I help other people start nonprofits, so I do the incorporation paperwork for them. I do their bookkeeping, um, also their tax preparation as well. And then I have a nonprofit because that's my heart, that's my passion. I love that is being able to give back to women and girls yeah. and help them to discover their beauty and power in God as well. So that is my heart. I love seeing women discover like who God has created them to be. I love seeing women healed and transformed and you know, just walking in the purpose and like realizing that the process was necessary and he'll take our ashes and turn them into beauty and, you know, he'll transform our lives and help us to be able to empower other people to get up. And I mean, that was the purpose of, you know, the crucifixion and everything is that Christ got up. Like he didn't just stay there. He got up so that we could get up um, so that we would be able to go forth. And I think sometimes we miss that, that we were called to be change agents in the earth. We're not just called to be idle. We're not called to sit on the bench. We're not called to be comfortable here, but it's supposed to be uncomfortable because we're supposed to be here growing, changing, evolving so that we can change the world. When he left, he said that we would do greater things than he did. So that's what we are supposed to be doing. And so that his journey was uncomfortable. So why do we think that our business? Right. Amen. Wow. And so as we wrap up, what special message do you have for any young women out there who hear and may see themselves in your story, whether they're at the moment of being a young adult 
or whether they're a teenager or maybe um, a child listening. We never know who is listening. So what message do you have for someone? Oh my gosh. I would tell anyone that is listening that no matter what you have done, where you have been, whatever thoughts that you've had or whatever it is like that, God loves you and that you cannot fix yourself. I was told that same thing. You have to fix yourself before you come to Christ. You cannot fix yourself. There is just a part of who we are that only God can fix. Only he can tap into that. Only he can heal us. Only he can deliver us. Only he can set us free from bondage, from negative thoughts, or you know whatever happened to us in our childhood or our young adult years. Whatever it is, only God can fix that for us. And like, you, we can come to him weary, brokenhearted, like all of that. And he can handle all of that because he created us. And like, that is, oh my gosh, like don't allow anyone to tell you that God doesn't love you, that you can't come to him, that you can't lay yourself out just like on the altar. Like God, this is all of me broken, whatever. Like God, just take it. And I promise that when you give every part of him, even the relationship part, the romantic side of it, even the sexual abuse, the domestic violence, uh, whether you've had kids by different fathers, like whatever your story is, all you have to do is trust God with your story, knowing that he is going to give you beauty for it. Like he is going to transform it into this powerful testimony that's going to give you a platform. I'm not saying your platform has to be per se, um, you're standing on a stage in front of millions of people. It could just be you having a one-on conversation with a young lady or another young man or whatever the case is and just telling them like about the goodness of Jesus and how he has worked through your life and how he has helped you to get over uh, the different trials and tribulations that you are in in order to give you this victorious story to be able to tell people. So yeah, just like trust God, don't give up, keep going. There are even days on the Christian walk that makes you know, you second guess if this is the right thing to be doing, but I promise you that it is worth it. There is countless stories in the Bible that you can read and you can see how God worked in them and through them. And they weren't perfect people. You don't have to be perfect. It's not about being perfect. It's about us progressing. It's about us, you know, having goals in this Christian walk, knowing that, okay, I'm better than what I was yesterday or two years from uh, two years ago. Like I'm going forward. And I'm just allowing God to transform me. That's right. Wow. That was really good. (laughs) That was really good. I know that people are going to be blessed and specifically young women that are going to listen to this and um, have their lives transformed. So, Kalandra, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, what a... All right, guys. All right, Calandra, we will talk to you soon. God bless you. God bless you. Bye. Bye.